Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another broadcast on the Soul of America Radio. Tonight, you're listening to Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness with your host, J.R. Thicklin. Tonight's broadcast is brought to you by Blog Talk Radio, hosted and produced by the Soul of America Radio. Comments made on tonight's broadcast do not necessarily reflect the views of Blog Talk Radio, the Soul of America Radio, or its host. Hope and Healing takes you from a place of pain, abuse, violence, rejection, and abandonment to a place of hope, healing, and power. All aboard with your author, activist, advocate, and friend, man of purpose himself, and your host for the evening, Mr. J.R. Diglett. Welcome and welcome again to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. This is your host, J.R. Thicklin, and I'm so very glad that you've joined us here tonight, right here on the Soul of America Radio Network. Every Monday night, 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time, that's 8 o'clock on the Central Time Zone, 7 o'clock there in the Mountain Time Zone, and 6 o'clock there in the Pacific Time Zone. And wherever you may be, you are listening to me live right here on the Soul of America Radio Network. Those of you that are listening by way of the Internet, www.soulofamericaradio.com. And right there where the, where the Hope and Healing tag is, that's where you'll find us. Go right there to live broadcast, and you have us. Those of you that are calling in by way of phone, area code 323-784-9638, I'm I'm so very glad that you've joined us tonight on a very, very uh, important edition of Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. Now, there's several ways that you can reach us tonight. You can reach us both of those ways, but you also can email us at jficklin at soulofamericaradio.com. That's the letter J. T-H-I-C-K-L-I-N at soulofamericaradio.com. That is how you can reach us each and every Monday night. Now, so many that are listening for the very first time, just want to give you a reminder, this show is about hope and healing. For those that have been impacted by abuse, whether it be physical, mental, sexual, economic, spiritual abuse, abandonment, rejection, uh, uh, any of those things, loss or grief, any of those things, anything there that have caused you pain, this is an opportunity and a platform to not only bring hope and healing, but also to become a channel and a platform of public awareness and education when it comes to very serious issues such as domestic violence and other violence related of that sort. And so as you know, this whole entire month has been Domestic Violence Awareness Month, and we've had some very power-packed shows that has been on this month. We've had uh, very, very important guests that have been on on this month, and we continue to do this work because there is a need for this work to be done. 
So I ask that you would call a friend, call a neighbor, tell them to join us on Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness, and you can find us right here once again on the Soul of America Radio Network. Now, those of you, perhaps you're listening, perhaps you can just simply text a friend, let them know to join us on the airway because of the fact there's always something informative that it has the opportunity and the, uh, has the propensity to change one's life. And that's what it's all about uh, each and every Monday that we come to you on this great network. And so those of you that are also following us, you can also follow us on Facebook. Now, we have a few Facebook pages, and I want to explain them to you. We have a Facebook page that's called Domestic Violence. It is your business. Simply go to that biz- that page on Facebook. Uh, simply uh, click uh, invite, and you'd like to become a guest, and we will in- we will accept you as a guest and uh, invite you on. It is a page that is so informative with so much information, so much sharing, so many things as it relates to domestic violence, where to find help, different hotline numbers, signs, and symptoms to look for. And it's filled with oftentimes even commentary from survivors of domestic violence. Now, it's important to me that you know that tonight because of the fact of the magnitude of this page. Also, this page here contains, um, once again, hotline information. It contains uh, many of the events that have happened recently as it relates to domestic violence. So you can go to Destiny. Uh, you can go to uh, that page there, Domestic Violence, It Is Your Business. Then there's another page that we have that is called Destiny by Choice Fellowship. That's Destiny by Choice, Roman, Roman numeral two, Fellowship. That page is a page of encouragement. That page is a page of inspiration. That page there is a page where you can come, leave your comments, your prayer, your testimony, your your uh, you can share scripture, you can share many things. It's an uplifting page, and it's very uplifting. It's one that is designed to not only uplift you, but it's designed to just give you a real kick in the morning. Uh, every morning we have what we call morning roll call, and that's your opportunity when you sign on. Simply to greet somebody with good morning, how are you doing? You know, praise the Lord, something of uplifting value. And besides that, uh, beloved, my friend, uh, we have not only that, but we have a shout-out that happens generally every Saturday. A shout-out is when you begin to share information even about your church or your place of worship. And we have a daily bread that's going on every week as well on, and every day on that particular page. And then we also have so many things that I can't even hardly remember them all. But we also are going to be starting up every Tuesday. There's going to be coming up what we're calling a Bible study challenge every Tuesday, uh, starting on uh, uh, November 5th, where uh, we'll be reading and discussing scriptures starting with Genesis. So all levels are welcome to join that page and be a part of it. It's going to be exciting. Uh, whether you're new to the Bible or know the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, uh, you could always uh, be a part of that. Just simply go to our events uh, page there on Destiny by Choice 2 Fellowship. That's where you can find us. And then we have another page, and that is just my standard Jay Thicklin page on Facebook, where there's always a lot that is being posted there. So that's how you can reach us tonight, and that's how you can reach us anytime on Facebook. And as always, I want to just acknowledge my dear uh, friend, my dear, uh, my dear longtime assistant in being able to help me inside of all of this, and that's Indy Harlem. She is the person that maintains those pages, does such an excellent job in making sure that information is coming to you, an excellent job in sharing so that it is relevant to whatever we're talking about on the show. And so we're excited about that opportunity to be on the show with you tonight, and we're going to get right into it in just a moment here, because as we are very much involved in so much that is happening in this month and things that are actually happening 24-7, 
the issue of domestic violence and is running rampant. We see it happening. And someone brought it to my attention uh, even today, and someone brought it to me earlier. Said, why is it that it seems that when October run around comes around, and we know that it's Domestic Violence Awareness Month, but seemingly there's a spike in domestic violence cases where we are seeing more and more cases happen. And, beloved, there is some truth to that, whether unofficially or not. I can personally tell you that there has been uh, increase in domestic violence. We continue to see it increase all around. Us. Um, as a matter of fact, there's a number of, of very uh, high-profile cases that are going on right now, and many of them uh, unresolved, and there are many cold cases that have happened where it has not been resolved, and I want to make sure that you're aware of that you and I are in a position of power to make a difference, and we can make a difference inside of this by sharing, and by sharing our stories, by coming forth, and not allowing ourselves to be, if you would, uh, silent concerning this issue. So once again, you're reaching us here on Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness. This is your host, J.R. Ficklin, and we want to get right into this just before we go into our break. One of the things that have been very interesting to me as of late and uh, is the fact of the many dynamics of domestic violence. It's one of the things I choose to share with leaders and pastors and community leaders that this is not just a myopic type of a subject. Uh, the issue of domestic violence impacts so many different people on so many different levels. It's impacted them from so many different angles. You have so many players involved. You have the victim. And, of course, the victim is the person in whom the harm is taking place to, who's been afflicted by hurt, pain harm, whether it's physically, mentally, sexually, economically, emotionally, uh, verbally, any of those ways that that person is being harmed and affected. And then there is also the perpetrator, the perpetrator of this violence in which uh, this the perpetrator is the one who is inflicting the harm, the pain, and all of those things I just named. And inside of that each of those individuals are oftentimes connected with other people, other family members. They're connected with other members of our, of our community. They're connected and oftentimes share the same circle of people. So when there's an incident of domestic violence, especially of tragic nature, that ends up in homicide or even homicide-suicide, then understand that everyone is impacted, and it leaves very unsure feeling. It leaves a crisis inside of one's relationship, a very traumatic experience inside of sorting out, what do I do from here? Where do I go from here? Uh, how do I survive this? Even to the point that there are individuals who feel that there's a need to ch- uh, choose sides when domestic violence happens. And tonight, I want to kind of explore these issues, and I want to kind of address these issues uh, about these type of awkward situations, because it, the reality is that anytime there's a domestic to violence incident that happened, and it reaches the, the nature of, uh, of death and uh, uh, fatality, then you must understand that it does not stop at the doorstep of those two immediate persons that are involved, but it definitely uh, puts a great burden on both sides, the burden on the side of the family of the victim, because they're dealing with the loss. They're dealing with the permanent loss. They're dealing with the fact of the questions, why? What could I have done to uh, protect them? What could I have done to make it easier? And oftentimes find themselves very guilt-laden with questions of why. And tonight we want to be able to address that issue because, of fact, we must be able to come to grips with it and not continue to beat ourselves down with the whys, but we must begin to progress and move toward the healing part 
of what do I do from here? How do I reconcile with what has happened? And I say that because too many times we find that uh, that mothers and women that have suffered domestic violence, and many times they they remained in it for long periods of time. And if you talk to many of them, they will tell you that they remain for the sake of their children. They remain possibly because of the fact they didn't want the child to be coming from a broken home. Perhaps they remain because they knew what it was themselves to grow up without a father in the home, and they didn't want to upset the family structure. Maybe they remain because of the fact they were financially and economically dependent upon the perpetrator. Maybe they remain because of the constant promises that things are going to get better, and I promise to do better next time, and, you know, once we get through this tough patch, things are going to change. For whatever reason they remain, they remain. But inside of their decision to remain, oftentimes we're not able to predict what the consequences are. The consequences is the long-term exposure of the children to this type of behavior. The consequences is the long-term exposure and the, and the behavior and the things that are learned through being exposed and witnessing this type of domestic violence. Yes, we have to understand that domestic violence is a learned behavior. It is learned, people. It is learned. It is not something that, is, that, that comes uh, necessarily in your DNA, but is learned because of what you see and what you observe. And we know that children learn what they live and they live what they learn. And oftentimes those children go up exposed to domestic violence and literally learning no other uh, coping mechanism, no other system in dealing with conflict or dealing with aggression or dealing with misunderstanding other than to be aggressive. And so oftentimes without the same uh, 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 fortune perhaps of those that they saw go through it, many times they end up with a tragedy. And the tragedy is that now a young man who otherwise was a good young man ends up taking the life of another person. And the emptiness that the family goes through, the perplexity that the family goes through when the mother is trying to come to grips of what happened to my son, I didn't raise a batterer. And sadly enough, people, unfortunately, that wasn't your intention. But too often, being exposed to long-term traumatic events such as this oftentimes becomes a breeding ground for future batterers and future victims even. So we have to often look into our decision. I stayed, why? And all those reasons may be legitimate, but we must understand also that we must consider what the consequences may be. And that is why there's a need for community to work together. That is why there's a need for those that oftentimes a member of the commentary, uh, the commentary uh, they need to commit themselves to find out how, what is it that we can do to help protect this person? What is it that we can do to bring this person to safety and assist the stability that they can be strengthened and supported until the time that they're able to stand on their own two feet? What is it that we can do? Because that is a very important question to ask today. You're listening to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. This is your host, Dr. Ficklin, and you're listening to us on the Soul of America radio network. Call a friend, call a neighbor, tell them to join us right here, www.soulofamericaradio.com. That's how you can reach us, as well as you can simply reach us at area code 323-784-9638. That's how you reach us here on the Soul of America radio network. If you desire to have a question and a comment, simply hit the number one on your keypad, and we'll bring you on. Tonight is somewhat of open Mike, so that meaning that we don't have a scheduled guest, and although guests are always calling in inside of Hope and Healing, but if you're there tonight, you have a question or comment, or even a story you'd like to share, feel free to do so. Once again, area code 323-784-9638. Perhaps you're there and you say, well, I don't want to share a story, I don't want my voice on the radio, but perhaps you have a question or comment, feel free to email us at jthicklin at soulofamericaradio.com. That's the letter J-T-H-I-C-K-L-I-N at soulofamericaradio.com. 
voiceamericaradio.com. That is how you can reach us today, and I invite you to do so even right now. Right after this commercial break, we're going to come back with some, uh, some questions, and we're going to come back answering the question, what do we do when the perpetrator is related to us? What do we do when, we are, when, we're, when we're familiar with both the perpetrator and the victim? How do we handle it? What is the position should we take or should we take any at all? All of that and more when we return from the break. You listen to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Holders. This is your host, J.R. Ficklin, and I'll see you right on the other side of the break, right here on the Soul of America Radio Network. us right now via the internet, you should see some advertisements around your screen. Please click on one of them because you support us every time you click on an ad. Thank you. founder and CEO here at the Soul of America Radio. We've all witnessed the unjust laws that allow our children to be gunned down, that allow our mothers, fathers, and brothers to be locked up 20-30 years for crimes that are belittled in the white community. It's time that we gather together and discuss ways to take action one day at a time, one house at a time. It starts right here with us. Join us as we adopt the theme of Fight the Power, of course, peacefully. We look forward to you joining us over the next few months. Thank you. We're fighting the power on the soul of America Radio. And now we return you to your host, J.R. Thicklin. In hope and healing, a journey to wholeness. I guess it took long enough for me to get up and learn. Find the right word. Say to you, say to you, going through. And welcome back to Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness. This is your host, J.R. Thicklin. I'm so very glad that you've joined us here tonight on the Soul of America Radio Network. From coast to coast, this is where you find us, and this is about hope. This is about healing. It is about dealing with abandonment, rejection. The questions, what do I do when confronted with situations that literally that I have no control of? And that is what this show is all about. Tonight we're talking about the fact of the perplexity of the situation inside of domestic violence situations. When you 
are familiar, or you know, or may be related to the perpetrator. What happens? What is the position? What, what goes through your mind? Uh, the sense of helplessness, hopelessness, the sense of frustration? Or do you try to find some type of justification for the action of the person who has committed the atrocity, oftentimes bringing pain, hurt, and inflicting punishment, harm, and even death upon another? I know all too well that inside of seeing these situations happen, that they're very well-meaning people, and they're very good people, that unfortunately uh, oftentimes have persons that they're related to and know that doesn't make that do not make wise decisions. And as a result of it, they end up doing things that oftentimes not only shocks and breaks the heart of the person whom they've inflicted a punishment, but those that are associated with, those that are in pain, those that may have raised them, that may be siblings. And so the position tonight is this. What do you do in that situation? Many people have questions. Do I support the perpetrator? Do I, you know, what do I say to their family? Do I say to them it's going to be all right? But if I say it, do I mean it? Uh, do I say it to them that, uh, you know, let us just pray? Or what is it that I say? And that's the question that is proposed tonight uh, here on the airways is what do you do? And perhaps you're out there tonight, and perhaps you've been in this situation, perhaps a brother, a sister, an uncle, a, a aunt, a whoever, a friend, a, a close a person that you know that has been a perpetrator of domestic violence. How did you handle it? And how did you feel? That's the question of the day. One, uh, their number is Erico three two three seven eight four nine six three eight. Erico three two three seven eight four nine six three eight. That's how you reach us tonight. I'd love to have your opinion on that one. Love to hear what you have to say. And toward the end of the broadcast, I will give you maybe not even just toward the end. I'll give you some of my experiences and some of the things that in dealing with these type of situation because it is a very strange and a very awkward feeling. I will tell you that I know from personal experience. I've seen it happen. I've seen it played out. And I'm telling you, there's not necessarily a handbook on how to handle it. But I will tell you that there are certain uh, there's a certain position what one must assume inside of this situation in order to not only have dignity inside of it, but to also uh, to not put yourself in bondage. And that is that is what I would say to you tonight. But that is what I'd like to get your opinion on. Area code 323-784-9638, that's the number to reach us. If you'd like to have a question or a comment, just simply hit the number one on your keypad that lets our producer know that you have a question and a comment, and we'll get you on the airway right away tonight. You don't have to give your name if you don't like. We simply just will acknowledge you as a caller, and you'll get a chance to speak and express your opinion tonight. Now, having said that, these situations are way too often happening um, in cases where there's a perpetrator and there's a victim, and when, say, perhaps they both belong to the same club or the same school, or more specifically, they attend church, they attend the same church together. And so here's a crisis that although it initially took place between those two individuals, the reality is that it's so much far-reaching than that because both of their families are impacted by that, and now their extended family, their church family, their work family, they're impacted by that. And so what are we inclined to do? inside of those situations when we are friends with the perpetrator, we knew the perpetrator, do we do we uh, continue to support them or do we support them from a distance? Or what do we say? Do we encourage them? And here's one of the larger questions. If we are familiar with the victim's family, do we make effort to apologize to them, to console them, or do we simply sweep it up on the rug? 
I'm very anxious to hear your opinion tonight. Now, many of you are lit up on the board tonight, but I would love to have your opinion tonight. That's how you reach us, area code 323-784-9638, uh, or you can email us at jficklin at soulofamericaradio.com, and I will uh, read your response right over the airway uh, because I think this is a very worthwhile question. I think it's one that many people find themselves in and have not been able to answer it. I can tell you from personal experience, I've seen in many cases where the perpetrator family, close loved ones, they feel the sense of, of justification, like they have to justify what has happened or what the perpetrator has done when really there is no justification. I mean, how do you tell somebody, well, you know, uh, you know what? That deserved to happen to her because if she had not have, you know, if she had not have bought that last Twinkie or she had not eaten that last Snickers, you know, that wouldn't have happened. I mean, that sounds ridiculous, but that's just how ridiculous it sounds when we try to find a reason to justify anyone being uh, victimized by domestic violence. And so, when we know that individual, when that person is related to us, or that person uh, is a sor- uh, is a fraternity brother, or a person who's a member of your sorority, or that person's a member of your church or work on your job, what do we do? Is there a sense of awkwardness, a sense of helplessness, and a sense of even wanting to distance yourself? Should you distance yourself? If so, how how far? What do you say? Do you even think about maintaining uh, that relationship or that friendship? Uh, what happens in that situation? Those are questions that many ask themselves, and it's one of those very perplexed questions, perplexed things that goes on all the time. So I invite your comment. I invite your Questions tonight, area code 323-784-9638. If you desire to have a comment or question, simply hit the number one on your keypad. That lets our producer know that you want to come on the air, and we'll get you on the air. There you go. Just hit number one right there on your keypad, and we'll get you on the air tonight. Now, having said those things tonight, um, in dealing with these type of situations, in educating even the faith community, because here's something that you're not prepared for in terms of the fact that now I'm dealing with a parishioner that may be dead, and I might be dealing with the fact that here's their spouse or their partner that has committed this. Chances are I might have both sides of the family in the church. How do I minister to that? How do I come to their uh, rescue and minister to them without causing some type of civil rivalry within the church? How do I remain in a position that it doesn't make it seem like I'm siding uh, with with the other side? How do I rem- why do I how do I stand in my faith, stand on the word, and minister a sense of healing to both sides? Now that's easier said than done. Because one thing that uh, that a leader has to be very careful of is that they do not give the impression that they are leaning uh, toward one side or trying to justify one side of an, another. So the things that has to be considered inside of this situation is this. It's the fact of being available to talk to and to listen to both sides, not necessarily together initially. Definitely I wouldn't recommend that, but to listen to them apart, to listen, to be there. Yes, don't forsake your duties of ministering to their hearts, understanding that there's been an injury, there's been a loss, there's been a traumatic emptiness that's been created there. So we have a responsibility in listening to them. Number two, we have a responsibility not in judging them what has happened or what has occurred, but we must listen with an ear, an ear to minister hope, to minister even correction, but to also minister to them a sense of direction 
And so that is very important inside of dealing with this situation here. So what do I do when I'm dealing with the family members who is saying, well, if she had not have done this, she had not have done that, then he wouldn't have, he wouldn't have hurt her. Or he told her to leave or this would happen. Those type of statements are justifying statements and statements that one should definitely want to avoid making or, or definitely avoid uh, consenting or endorsing those type of statements at all. So when we deal with the fact that um, you may be related to or know the perpetrator, the one thing that you have to do is that you must understand that you're not responsible for that person's action. You're not responsible for their actions. And because you're not responsible for the actions, it's important that you begin to assume your position inside of understanding, being willing to be there even for the family that has been injured in the sense of the fact that you're willing to discuss with them, you're willing to listen to them, you're willing to uh, be there for them in terms of it. And dealing with the fact of the family that has committed uh, the perpetrating, once again, you want to be able to support, but to support from a different standpoint in terms of this, because there is great grief and there's great loss. If you're a friend of the family, whatever, what is it that you can walk those individuals through in order for them to find some sense of peace. Some family members might have a sense to want to reach out to the perpet- to the victim's family and offer a sense of support and offer a sense of condolences, although they they understand the pink elephant in the room is the fact that their loved one is the one who committed the murder. Well, one thing that you have to understand and one thing that you can reconcile with is that you can reconcile the fact that the individual has to internalize that they did not raise their child to become a murderer. That was never the intent inside of it. And so they must reach out to them, be willing to support them through word, through deed, be willing to listen to them inside of their many nuances and many questions that they may have. Uh, be willing to uh, to recommend them to support groups or start a support group for them because it will be very crucial inside of dealing with how they're doing, how they're feeling, uh, the perplexity, the mixed emotions, uh, oftentimes even a sense of uh, retali- retaliation, uh, the sense of um, uh, feeling the need now to cut off communication from everyone else. So you've got to be sensitive inside of that because, in fact, withdrawing from everyone does not necessarily put the perpetrator or the family members in a good position. Rather than withdrawing, one must draw together, embrace one another, support one another, but also correct one another. In other words, being able to speak the truth in love in terms of what has occurred and what what has occurred here. Um, so there is no uh, there is no victory inside of the fact of when an individual uh, is injured or lose their lives inside of domestic violence. And that is something that I want us to take very big attention to tonight. And uh, right after the break, uh, we're going to take a call or two, and we'll see you right after the break. You're listening to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. This is your host, J.R. Thicklin, and I'll be right back with you right after this break. Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness with J.R. Thicklin returns after this.
Want to get in on the conversation? Call Jay at 323-784-9638. J.R. Thicklin, the soul of America Radio and its staff and family, encourage you to please let someone know if you're going through a domestic violence situation, if you know someone that's going through a domestic violence situation, please don't stand by and let it just happen. We simply cannot afford to tolerate this any longer. Call 800-799-7233, the National Domestic Violence Hotline, 800-799-7233. It is your business. You can also connect with J.R. Dicklin at his Facebook group, which is Domestic Violence. It is your business. Check him out. Above life. Above your circumstances. You can soar. This is the one and only soar. And now, here's your host, J.R. Thicklin. And welcome back to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. This is your host, J.R. Thicklin, and I'm so very glad that you joined us here today. And I think I'm having a little technical difficulty. So let's see if we can get uh, another break back on, and uh, we'll bring it right back. Welcome back. Uh, right before the break, we were talking about the issue of the fact, what is it? What position do we take when we're dealing with the situation where we are friends or we are related to or we work with or we attend church with the perpetrator? What is our position there? I know that we're in a very victim-driven uh, society and rightfully should be, but how do we handle the situation with a perpetrator? Uh, what happens when you yourself have been the person who have warned them or, or, or admonished them in time past, you know, uh, to not do the things that they're doing that may have led to this type of behavior. What type of position does it put one in, and how does one handle it inside of so many things that they're dealing with? That is the question today. Area code 323-784-9638. That's how you reach us. Area code 323 
784-9638. That is how you reach us, and I would love to have some of your input there because uh, it's not so cut and dry. I will be the first to tell you, uh, my friend, that uh, uh, it is a sense of helplessness. It's a sense of sometimes even embarrassment and shame. It's a sense of um, unbelief and disbelief. It's a sense of trying to make sense of why did this happen. You know, you're trying to find something there that would kind of make sense of why did this take place, and yet it still it doesn't always make sense. And the fact of the matter, it might not ever make sense. And really there is no sense in the fact when you think about someone who may continuously abuse someone, and ultimately that ends up in a homicide, a death of an individual, a life taken because of the fact of someone else ultimate ultimate stand on power and control and those are the things that we have to answer that question but let's let's talk about the crisis that is created in the village and the crisis is created in the village when domestic violence take place and we all know that individual that person lived on our street and that person uh, went to our schools that person attended our church that person uh, uh worked with me all of those things create a crisis in the village because we start asking ourselves the question wow how well did I really know that person? We start asking ourselves the question, is God, was there any signs? What did I miss? We start asking ourselves questions such as, you know, you know, what is it that I didn't do? You know, did I not listen enough? And so there are a number of questions that goes on in one's mind when they're dealing with situations such as this uh, as it relates to domestic violence. And we have to be in a place to answer those and deal with that. For the pastor who may be dealing with this in his church, it is not something that you can sweep up on the rug. Neither is it something that you can just uh, act as if the pink elephant in the room does not exist. We have to identify the situation, and somewhere along the line, we need to talk. There needs to be a talk. There's a talk that needs to happen, and there's a meeting that needs to happen between the family of the perpetrator and the pastor. He needs to have that conversation, and he also needs to have a conversation with the with the family of the victim who has been hurt. Inside of that is that he doesn't want to bring those two sides together before he has gotten permission from the victim's side whether or not they even want to do so. And understand, if they don't want to do so, he has to be patient and allow them to have that time because it may be their way of just putting space between it, their way of grieving, their way of processing. So it's very important that uh, we don't rush to judgment, that we don't rush to trying to bring everybody together because it might not be that. You have to sometimes look at what was the condition or the dynamics of that relationship before this tragic happened. Were they pretty much a close-knit family? Were they pretty cordial with one another across the board? Uh, what do you do? What do you say in those type of situations? Uh, there are many times where we're dealing with situations such as this, and we'll find that even a victim family has a sense of retali- retaliation in their mind. Retaliation, what am I going to do? You know, they're going to get theirs. Listen, they, bet, they better sleep with their eyes eyes open, or believe me, eye for an eye, two for a tooth. And so we hear a lot of those type of sentiments expressed doing anger, doing rage, and really doing pain. And that's what it is, is doing pain and that sense of wanting to vindicate, that sense of wanting to make something happen. And here's the challenge. Number one, those of you that are listening, under, listening to my voice today, understand that that is not the route to go. You don't want to open up bigger circumstances by now mounting an attack against the individual that may have been injured. And so we want to discuss that today, and we'll go through some more things that uh, that are so prevalent with that. Uh, we have a caller, number ended in 0210. 
Good evening. Welcome to Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness. You are on the air with us. I think we've got a little slow delay here, but you will be on with us. You're on the air. Good evening. Welcome to Hope and Healing. You're on the air tonight. Caller? Okay, the caller is uh, there, but have not answered it at this point. Caller, number ending 0210. Uh, you're on the air with Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness. You have a question or comment? Perhaps you hit the mute button on your phone. Okay. All right. Uh, that's the way you can reach us. Uh, those of you that have a question or comment, simply hit the number, uh, uh, dial the number, area code 323-784-9638. Area code 323-784-9638. That is how you reach us. We'll get you on the air. Call our number ending in 8120. We want to get you on the air this evening. Uh, right about now with our delayed system here that is coming up, a caller number in in an 8120. We're going to get you on the air in just one moment. And as that is happening there, uh, we all experience it. We all experience it from a different uh, perspective when we're dealing with the fact that what do I do when I know the perpetrator, when I'm related to that perpetrator? Caller 8120, you're on the air. Welcome to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. You have a question or comment? Good evening. Yes, I do have a question. I'm a recent yes. uh, survivor out of domestic violence, thank uh-huh. the Lord. Um, the, the perpetrator still currently goes to church with myself. Um, I'm, I guess, stuck between a rock and a hard place because he followed me there prior to us getting married, and now that we're divorced, he's still there, still trying to do little things to try to assassinate my character in that area to deter people away from me when he's actually the issue. How do I deal with continuing on at the church that I'm going to along with the perpetrator. Um, uh, The pastor of the church has passed in between the process. He was actually the uh, party that assisted me in getting out of the domestic violence. Therefore, we're currently without leadership in the process of looking for leadership, so I'm uncertain as to how do I move forward with continuing in the place of worship that we're both still currently worshiping at. Well, that does present a little bit of a problem. First of all, let me thank you for just sharing and being transparent with us. I want to I want to definitely kudos to to your late pastor who was uh, instrumental in getting you through that process. And so, what happens here is is three things I'm going to offer to you. And this goes back to, and perhaps this phrase may be familiar in your circle, or your church, or not. This goes back to who has the spirit of the leader. You know, who has the spirit of the leader? You know, in many cases in churches or whatever, and especially if they're churches of any substantial size, you know, there's generally oftentimes a successor or, a, or an assistant pastor that is, uh, that is, you know, that is on staff, that is part of the church. And that, let me just kind of explain that, and that's for the sake of all that may be listening. It's the fact that an assistant pastor is somewhat different than an associate pastor, and I want to make sure everyone understands that. An assistant pastor is that person who's directly the right hand, the assistant to the senior pastor, and that person uh, has been delegated a certain amount of duties and certain uh, delegates and duties. And as a matter of fact, in most of the uh, bylaws or most of the description, the assistant pastor, one of the last lines is the fact that the assistant pastor carries on in the in the duties of the pastor when the pastor is not present or able to do so. And so 
if you have an assistant pastor, then the the protocol would be to go to the assistant pastor, uh, make the assistant pastor aware of what have transpired in time past and what was done even up under the um, a previous pastor, so they would understand that this is not something new, this is something that has happened. That's the first thing that one would do if you're set up that way. Secondarily, if you're not set up that way, then you have to lean on who is now, who is the perceived governing body within there, and then are they are they uh, open and amenable to listening to what you have to say? Because in an ideal world, what would happen is that the pastor would sit down, talk with you, uh, hear out your concerns. What are your concerns? Well, your concern is the fact that he makes you feel uncomfortable. Does he make you feel uncomfortable just by being there? Or, as you have stated, this individual have, have continued to do little things or a little innuendos to try to uh, – uh, either discredit you or assassinate your character. At that point in time, it is important for that pastor to have a separate meeting with that individual. And inside of that separate meeting with that individual, uh, to be able to say to that individual the fact, number one, to state to that individual about the situation, even asking how are things going? Is there any contact between you and your ex-wife or uh, what's happening inside of that? Or if the pastor himself have been privy to hear of some of the things that have been said to discredit you, then the pastor should be able to then um, confront uh, the perpetrator about these actions, and from that point, after he has confronted him, have examined it, have investigated it, situation, now the pastor needs to make a decision. Now, he either makes a decision of one of three things. Either he'll make a decision and say, well, if there's two different type of services going on, he may make a decision to ask you guys to try it for a while. Maybe one, attend the early morning service, the other will attend the evening service or the later service, or uh, that might be the first course of action. Or the pastor may get to the point where if there is no resolve, may have to ask someone to leave. And in most cases, as a pastor, you're going to entertain the fact of the victim remaining and the perpetrator leaving. Now, once again, I, I, that th those answers are based upon experience, but it's also based upon the scenario of how the church is set up in terms of that. Um, there are situations that even the courts will grapple with, and that is when you have a situation where you have a couple that belongs to the same church or part of the same fraternity or organization, and yet and still they both belong there, and so perhaps that's a restraining order. Well, how does that restraining order take effect? You can't have both persons there. And that's when the church and the pastors have to be uh, made aware of because then the pastor needs to step in and be able to uh, decide, okay, Either one person attends this the morning service or the other person attends the evening service, but we have to keep you from violating the restraining order. So I, I threw that in there because of these are very similar and very uh, common situations that happen. So, caller, I, I go back to you today. Uh, what is the uh, structure there in your church, and uh, is it in a position for you to go to an assistant pastor or the perceived person in power or perceived um, board that may be in power? Uh, yes, we don't currently have an assistant pastor, but there is a designated party uh, that is in position at this time. Uh, he's aware of the situation. He was aware before the passing of the pastor. Um, I feel mm -hmm. they slapped him on the hand, and okay. I just have to be honest. 
so I'm not certain as to really where do I go? What do I do? Okay, let me ask you this question here. Would you say to the degree that this person has uh, continued to spread malicious uh, 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 lies or malicious gossip about you, would you say to what degree on a scale of one to five are you saying that it's it's a point of malicious or is it subtle? uh, Is it frequent or infrequent? How would you um, term it? Malicious. Definitely malicious. So it's malicious with, with the intent to damage. Absolutely. Okay, and so inside of that, now we have scripture to back us up on there, because this is the point here where you have followed the first step and, and, and perhaps even the second step, and I think that it's important for you uh, uh, to be able to have a second airing with that person who may be in charge, but I would probably request not only that person to be there, but, uh, you know, somewhere along the line it needs to be more than just you and that individual because the Bible talks about that company of witnesses now. You understand? And so now we we need to have a company of them, whether that person is a deacon, whether that person is, a, you know, an associate pastor or minister, that person now needs to have the wisdom because in the multitude of counsel there's wisdom, you know, and there's safety. So now uh, you need to be able to state the fact that you're, Feel very much uncomfortable that uh, the malicious gossip and the malicious uh, things are still being said, and therefore is not only affecting the f- uh, fabric of the church, but it's definitely making you uncomfortable in worship. I think that needs to happen in terms of that, and just as you will speak to a company of them, they need to speak to him in a company as well. There must be a position of accountability. Now, let me ask you a question. Does your ex hold any type of position within the church? Uh, he does the, uh, they call it the deliverance ministry. He's an observant minister, and that happened. It was something that he blindsided the pastor with somewhat. He had was going through like a training session with the pastor, and he was mm-hmm. supposed to go and observe, and he took advantage of his illness and just kind of slid through the door at the time of he was being very, very ill. Right. Right, so so what we're seeing is manipulative tendencies. Oh, very much so, very much so. So we're seeing manipulative ten- tendencies. Now, here's the point that happens in the church, and this is where this is where I, I, I say this is a new era of what has to happen. And one of the things I try to do when I'm dealing with churches and dealing with leaders, that is the reason why we want to help them write policies. See, policies and procedure and protocol. If there's a policy and a procedure and a protocol that is written to address these types of situations, then guess what? Emotions and personalities don't have to become involved, if I'm making any sense. So emotions yeah. and personalities don't have to become involved because I somewhat sense even inside of this situation that perhaps what ends up happening is that even the person who may be in charge may feel uncomfortable in uh, really, truly confronting or bringing correction to this individual. That and, is and, if, and so because of that, now they are somewhat bound by their relationship with them. They're bound by, you know, you know. well, sometimes that's my boy. We grew up in the same neighborhood. I mean, I've been knowing him since. You know, we. I mean, there are so many nuances that happen. That's my frat boy. And so all of those things, they're blind people. Inside of my uh, education and treat and and, 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 and and addressing pastors and establishments and churches, that's one of the things that we address upon. It's the fact that you have to establish 
uh, uh, protocol, policy and procedure, because of the fact when you do that, it takes away the personalities. It takes away those nuances. And so an individual knows that in cases of these things here, here is the course of action that we, the church, takes. And so now it's not a matter of watch this. It's not a matter of the individual, the perpetrator, feeling like they have that much more power because they know that this person isn't going to do anything to me because that's my boy. We go way back because so they automatically know that there's not a lot happening. But if we have rules and we have protocol and we have uh, the sense of how that protocol works, then it takes that away. In in the case of the way that this person may be holding any position, one of the first thing that has often happened is to remove from that position for a period of time, so this person then could could show themselves um, not only. Uh, uh, integ- and, uh, with, with integrity, but show themselves with a sense of repent, repent of spirit and the willingness to go on and continue on without confrontation and without this type of behavior. That never so, took place. Well, none of that took place, and that is the reason why there's so much work to be done. And those are the type of things now. I have about two other pastors that are lined up that we have to work with them inside of how do we establish these type things. So I say to you in the interim, on the scale of one to five, where are you far in your tolerance of it? Is it become unbearable? Is that the place that you feel like you need to uh, leave? Or are you at the place where you just really won't at this point, you need to have some type of intervention inside of this? before you make any other decision? I've been bearing it because it, I mean, there's been a person kind of in between trying to, to, I guess, talk sense into the the perpetrator. Mm -hmm. But I've had an encounter with him on yesterday. Felt very uncomfortable. So I'm uncertain as to, you know, how do I, do I need to leave? Do, Do I just need to go? I mean, I feel it's unfair that, I brought him to the church. He came through me. Uh, he's where he is through my assistant. And now it's like I'm being pushed out. I'm being shut out. Well, I, I don't know what to do. I really just don't know what to do because I feel it's so totally unfair. I'm being looked at as as the perpetrator when actually I'm not. And it's tough. It's tough. So on my my thing is now, do I just go just just for peace? Do I just go? How unfair well, I, it is, do I just leave? Well, my, my suggestion, and I, if I may, uh, my suggestion is to go back to example number two that I think I gave, and that example was the fact that at this point in time, I think there's time for more intervention. I think there's time because, of fact, you are at the place that you are at where you're ready to go. This is where you need that that meeting with not only an appointed individual that's there, but 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 those that will also be accountable and hold that person accountable. You need to have the conversation as it relates to the fact that this is where I am. I've come before desiring some intervention inside of this. The situation has not gotten better. As a matter of fact, I continue to see things and hear things that are makes me feel very uncomfortable. Uh, I I mean, at the point in time, would it help you at all if uh, if you guys have multiple services that uh, they will designate that you you attend one and he attends the other? 
would that help at all? Or is the issue deeper than that because of the fact he's going to run his mouth and, and gossip regardless of what service he's in? He's going to run his mouth regardless of what service he's in. We initially started that way. Uh, when the situation first, we first separated, He, I was going to one, he was going to the other. Again, he took advantage of the illness of the pastor and just slipped in coming back to the service that I was in, and then the pastor died in the interim and nothing else was said from there. Okay. So I will say this to your caller, and I'm saying this, and for those of you that are listening, first of all, I appreciate this caller being transparent because so oftentimes uh, when a person is transparent and they share things, though they're sharing it because they need immediate, immediate help or direction or assistance inside of this, it doesn't mean that there are not other people that are in very similar position. So inside of doing this, this is important. I, I would say this, and my greatest suggestion would uh, to, to request, and I would request it in writing, as well, I will request a meeting uh, once again with this person who's in position. And if you know who's the person that is surrounding them or whatever, as far as accountability of that circle, uh, I would request that they would be. And if they, if you're not, if there is another person in leadership or whatever there that you do feel comfortable with, uh, request that meeting and request to also have that individual present inside of that circle. Once again, convey your Convey your uh, faults and your feeling, your sentiments inside of the situation, and convey your suggestion inside of it. Uh, if it would work for you, him going back to a separate service, then state it. Uh, secondarily, if it's a matter that you think that this individual need to be held accountable and this person need to be axed, because this is what Paul spoke about when he talked about discord being sown among the brethren. Uh, this is what is happening. He is sowing discord, and this is a violation of Scripture. This is a violation of the Word of God. So that's what I would strongly suggest to you in doing so. And uh, if you like to uh, call her um, for the sake of uh, time or whatever, um, feel free. Um, perhaps um, just email me, and perhaps we could set up a time, and perhaps I could talk to you a little further with that and see if there's any way we could assist inside of that process. Thank you so much. Okay, and just take down uh, my email address for the sake of this show. is jthicklin at soulofamericaradio.com. But also feel free to simply send an email address to uh, uh, email to jthicklin at destinybychoice.org. jthicklin at destinybychoice.org. That would reach me as well as well as manofpurpose2000 at gmail.org. I mean, dot com, I'm sorry, man of purpose 2000 at gmail.com. And so that is one way uh, that uh, can help. And I'm so very glad. I'm thankful for you uh, uh, being able to share tonight on the show. I'm quite sure that somebody um, was, someone uh, definitely was uh, was helped by that and may be facing the same situation. And thank you so very much for calling. Uh, remain on. Um, we never know who might come on and may be able to. Um, provide some light inside of that situation okay thank you so much thank you so very much 
You listen to Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness. This is your host, J.R. Fickland, and I'm so very glad that you've joined us tonight on the Soul of America Radio Network. Area code 323-784-9638, that's how you reach us. Area code 323-784-9638, that is how you get on the air. If you desire to make a question or have a question or make a comment, simply hit the number 1 on your keypad. That lets our producer know that you want to come on the air, and we will get you on the air tonight. Uh, tonight we're dealing with the fact of the perplexity that it is when you know the perpetrator, the perpetrator of domestic violence, of abuse. What happens when you know them? Or perhaps you attend the same church. Perhaps you know the perpetrator and the victim. What is your position? What is your stance? How do you deal with it? That is the framework of the question, but as always, it's always open to you tonight. Uh, come with your questions and a comment. That is how you can reach us tonight. Uh, we'll be right back after the break. Hope and healing, a journey to wholeness. Right after this. Coming up on the Soul of America Radio, go to soulofamericaradio.com for more information. Hello, this is Tony Starling, founder and CEO of the Soul of America Radio. I wanted to take this time to thank you for your patience as we went through a period of time where we did not broadcast for probably about a month. We had some technical issues that we have since worked out, and now we are ready to bring you the best in Soulful Talk Radio. Tonight's program is J.R. Thicklin, who brings you Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. We have more programming coming up, brand new shows, I promise you that. But you stay tuned right here on the Soul of America Radio. And thank you for all of the wonderful correspondence through cards, emails, and everything else we received, saying that you want us back. We are back. This is the one and only store. And now here's your host, J.R. Siglin. Thank you. 
Welcome back to Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness. This is your host, J.R. Thicklin, and I'm so very glad that you've joined us here tonight on the Soul of America Radio Network. And very interesting topic tonight as we raise this issue about domestic violence and what happens in the awkwardness, the perplexed. Uh, the perplexity, if you would, of a situation when there, uh, when you may just simply know the perpetrator, you may be even related to them, and even more so, what happens when that perpetrator and the victim may even be a part of your church, a part of your sorority, your fraternity, attend the same uh, same places of worship? What happens inside of that? What is our position inside of that? What do you do? Uh, how do you handle it? And so many times we see the dynamics of uh, people feeling like they have to choose a side. They do feel that way. Other times, people feel the need to defend what actions that have been taking place. And then there are times that even leaders find themselves in a perplexed situation. How do I minister to both families? What do I do? Is it, a, is it, is it harmful to remain neutral? Or how do I adequately and equitably uh, minister to both sides of the, of the aisle here? And it's something that is not oftentimes done without some some form of a skill or some form of education, some form of knowing how to do this situation, and it's so crucial because of the fact you're dealing with families and you're dealing with lives on both sides, not to mention, as I said earlier, when there is tragedy and a travesty of domestic violence that occurs amongst people within a church or organization, it doesn't remain just between those two individuals. It extends. It reaches out. It affects their families individually and collectively, and not to mention that it affects the extended family within the church. The sense of helplessness that oftentimes that church members can feel, the sense of guilt, feeling like they didn't do enough, the sense of self-blame that oftentimes comes up as a result of the fact of why did I recognize? Why didn't I know? Why did I see the signs? Why did I see the uh, the symbols? Why did I see the warning? So all of those things that one have to deal with because of the fact of the dynamic, the dynamics of this affects everyone, and we have to be willing to resist the shame and resist uh, the name blaming and resist the sense of pointing fingers because the fact of the matter is that everyone is going through that crisis, everyone is suffering behind it, and everyone is trying to sort things out. And you've got to allow yourself some time to peel back the layers of uh, the layers of now what has been created is distrust, the layers of self-blame, the layers of guilt, and begin to regroup and begin to allow healing to take place. Now, when I say healing, I'm not just talking about some magical word. I'm not just saying, okay, let me get some oil, pour it over you, and lay hands, and then that's done. But I'm talking about healing oftentimes is the process. It's the process of going through some steps, some practical things that one must walk themselves through and be willing to be held accountable to so that healing can truly begin. And that's what's necessary. That is what's crucial. That is what we have to begin to understand, that if there's going to be this journey to wholeness, that we must begin to take those steps. We've all heard the old adage that the journey of a thousand miles begins with one step. Well, so it is inside of a situation and dealing with uh, abusive situation that the step to healing or the journey to healing also begins with that one step, that step of knowledge, acknowledgement, that step of identifying, but also that step of being able to come forth and recognize that I am not the cause of this. I refuse to be labeled as a person who did this. 
and I I am going to remain strong inside of it. And so that's crucial in this day and time, and we have to have that conversation. Eric code 323-784-9638, that is the number to reach us. I invite your call. I invite you if you have a question and a comment. Uh, definitely uh, uh, just simply hit the number one on your keypad. That lets us know and let our producer know that you want to come on the air, and we will get you on the air tonight. I invite your comment. Definitely, this is an awkward situation. It could be very awkward, and uh, it will change, or it should change. It should force the institution to set up guidelines and protocol and policy and procedure. How do we handle this situation, especially if I'm dealing with both the perpetrator and the victim being members of my church? How do I deal with that? How do I minister to that? What happens if there is a restraining order? Yet until I have both persons that uh, want to be at the service and want to entertain the service, I've got to have, make make some very difficult choices, and I've got to make some choices inside of the spirit of God and the spirit of love. And the one thing that I need to make careful and make sure that I don't do is that I don't want to re-victimize the victim. I don't want to put the victim in a position as if my decision is going to be more of a punishment to them rather than a, a, a part of a burden lifter to them. And that's what I think every leader must keep in mind, that we cannot put uh, 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 the victim in a position as where she now feels or he feels that they are being punished and they're being the one that's sentenced and they're the one who's forced to uproot their lifestyle. They're the ones that is forced uh, to have to uh, submit and subject themselves to other things. So we have to take that with a grain of salt and we have to be willing to minister and be there for individuals right where they are. Eric code three two three seven eight four nine six three eight. That's the way to reach us. We have about uh, about twelve minutes left in the show, and uh, we want to definitely entertain any questions, call or comments inside of that. And this is a very crucial question. I'll tell you, in dealing with just uh, different pastors and leaders all over, these are the things that are oftentimes shoved up on the rug, and it's where they hold their breath and hope that no one brings up this subject, hopes that the family of the victim doesn't say a word, hoping that the family of the perpetrator doesn't inquire anything. But listen, our job is not to be one of avoidance. Our job is one to be there as that balm in Gilead, to be the extension of the hand of God and the love of God, that we may perform the will of God through the grace of God. And those are the things that we must be willing to do. And so hiding our head in the sand doesn't make it go away. The other thing that we have to deal with is the fact of uh, where do we separate? Where do we separate the fact of uh, where we separate our duties as believers from the fact of our friendship? And I think that's... That is oftentimes the real challenge. How do I separate the the familiar the familiar from that which is necessary? How do I separate the familiar from from that which is definitely necessary? So you know, do I do I neglect the victim because of fact I'm still apologetic and I'm feeling funny because I've known the perpetrator twelve years or uh, whatever length of time? Or do I continue on looking through the lenses of faith and in the in the and in, in, uh, in the telescope of love and begin to do those things that that uh, that are really biblically mandated that we do inside addressing that? So I think that is a very crucial question. That's a very future, uh, very crucial um, situation to be in, and we have to be ready to be all things to all people. So that's a very crucial question and very crucial. Um, situation to be in. And uh, once again, uh, you can reach us at area code 323-784-9638. That's the number to reach us, area code 323-784-9638. If you desire to have a question and or comment, 
Simply hit the number one on your keypad, and we'll get you on the airway. That's right, we'll get you on the air. We'll entertain your question and your comment because we know that oftentimes there's not a platform that has been set for us to have these type of conversation. Too often what we find ourselves is is that we'd rather hide up under, under the cloak and shame of embarrassment because of what we don't know than to step forth and be equipped by someone that can teach us um, the things that we need to. So I want to make sure that each and every one of us, you know, uh, relate to that and we begin to take the proper steps toward healing, the proper steps toward how do we navigate through these type of situations that are not necessarily easy. As a matter of fact, they're, they're traumatic, and there is no given time period that someone's going to get over it. Uh, so we have to be very careful that we don't look at a person and just say, get over it. Well, that's easy for you and I to say that may not be going over it or going through something. But you have must allow the autonomy of the individual to be able to case by case business uh case by case be able to navigate through this thing that we call the system so that they can that they can learn their lessons, they can be better equipped and they can be better empowered inside of so many things. And so I want to uh applaud all the efforts to uh do the right thing. Area code three two three seven eight four nine six three eight. That's how you can reach us. Area code three two three seven eight four nine six three eight. This is uh, the way that you reach us uh, tonight. If you have a question or comment, uh, just simply hit the number one on the keypad. That would allow our producer to know that you want to come on the air, and we'll get you right on the air right away. Perhaps you have a question or a comment. We will be glad to entertain your question and a comment right here on the Soul of America Radio Network. And um, there's so much to look into um, because of the fact that um, when we have domestic violence that happen, and it happens to that type of sorority, we have to be cognizant of the fact that healing begins, but healing takes time. You know, what do you say to that person who sat right next to that individual in church? What do you say to that person when you begin to say that there's an empty seat, there's an empty bench, there's an empty space, you know, uh, you know where where my loved one once lived or my, my friend once sat or this is where we first uh, came and this is where we had our first baptism, our first uh, christening, all of those things hold dear memories, dear memories. And so we have to be willing to um, uh, reconcile, if you would, with these type of situations because it causes pain. There's no easy way around it. There's no easy, easy way out of it. And we've got to be willing to walk through it and despise the shame. Area code three two three seven eight four nine six three eight. That is how you reach us. Uh, with about five minutes left in the program and tonight, I'm so very glad that you're taking the time to stop with us, uh, to stop by tonight and listen as we're preparing for future shows in the very near future. But even more so, uh, you're here to hear first. We're going to be putting out information uh, to let you know that we are getting ready to have another faith symposium again on domestic violence. We're looking at doing it here in South Florida in the uh, western part of the county in the uh, in the Glades area there. We're going to be looking to do some things uh, amongst uh, the state attorney's office as well as law enforcement and, and the clergy uh, as we begin to tackle this issue of domestic violence in a way that uh, – that we need to tackle it. So that is how you can reach us tonight. Uh, if you're interested in it, you can once again call us at Erico three two three seven eight four nine six three eight. 
simply hit the number one on your keypad. That lets our producer know that you want to come on the air. And then secondarily, you could always email us at jficklin, that's J-T-H-I-C-K-L-I-N, at soulofamericaradio.com, or you can reach us at jficklin at destinybychoice.org. Ficklin at destinybychoice.org or manorpurpose2000 at gmail.com. Each of those ways you can reach us today. We welcome your question. We welcome your comment. We welcome your input inside of this uh, journey to wholeness. This is what is so crucially important. And as we're getting closer and closer to the end of the month and the end of the year, uh, many different expressions are being very careful with Halloween just being a few days away and how individuals oftentimes go overboard with certain holidays and certain things. But I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you that you must stand in a holy place. You must stand in a place of righteousness. You must stand in a place of belief and hope so that you can fulfill that purpose which God has ordained for your life. You listen to J.R. Thicklin, and you've been listening to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness, every Monday night right here on the Soul of America Radio Network, uh, 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern. That's how you reach us, 8 o'clock Central, 7 o'clock um, uh, Mountain Time, and um, definitely 6 o'clock in the Pacific Time Zone. So as I reach out to you tonight, know that we're here for you. If you'd like to write us, simply write us. If you'd like to write us other than email, you can write us at J.R. Thicklin at soulofamericaradio.com or J.R. Thicklin and just put uh, attention uh, radio and you can uh, send that letter to P.O. Box 18573 West Palm Beach, Florida 33416 that's P.O. Box 18573 West Palm Beach, Florida 33416 that is how you can reach us that is how you can have opportunity to speak to us even on today uh, your letters we will definitely not only take your letter we will reply to them and as we continue to build that coalition uh, to engage new allies and new advocates in this plight against domestic violence perhaps you're listening tonight and you're saying listen I hear what you're saying but I haven't heard this talked about in my church I don't have anyone that a support system there contact me that's what we do we're willing to meet with your pastors or who your leaders are in an introductory meeting. And we're willing to help them, if they're willing to, to establish a domestic violence ministry right within their church and within their ministry. So having said that, uh, please understand that uh, the courage that it takes, and yet it's still understand the fact that inside of everything that we do, it's an opportunity to give God glory. It's an opportunity to give him praise. And I just want to make sure that um, those that are listening tonight understand they don't have to suffer in silence. They don't have to walk this road alone. Call the national hotline number, 1-800-799-7233, 1-800-799-SAFE. Or call the Florida Coalition Against Domestic Violence, uh, should I say the, national, the Florida State Hotline, 1-800-500-1119. That's how you can reach them, and that's where you'll find help. And until next week, I want to encourage you. I want you to know that you deserve better and that you are the apple of God's eye. The reality is that you wasn't created to be a uh, you wasn't created to be a punching bag, but rather you was created to be and bring glory to God. So I want to make sure that you understand that that you embrace that tonight. And as we get ready to leave this, 
Understand there's no one greater, no one greater than God. See you next week, same time, 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time for Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness with yours truly, J.R. Thicklin. I'll see you next week. Nobody greater, Jesus. Nobody. Nobody.